0: oh it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood a beautiful day for a neighbor why am i singing mr rogers stick around and find out Dadages, friends and family, today we bring you a neighborly episode of Datages. We haven't brought you an Entrepreneur's Corner format episode in a while, and today we have one. And today's episode is all about neighbors and community. As I welcome to the Dadages virtual studio, Deba Douglas, who is a residential real estate specialist with a unique educational approach to building community and business. And on top of that, she's my neighbor. Debo lives right down the road from me here in Northeast Dallas. Deba, howdy neighbor, and welcome to Daddages.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am so so excited and so honored to be here. So I'm ready for this. Let's do this.
0: Well, we're excited to have you here. And, and to give uh, the Daddages friends and family a quick bit of North Dallas geography, I broadcast from the Daddages studio here in Fairview. Uh, which is near Allen or McKinney, and you're right down the road in Plano. Is that right?
1: Yes, I'm literally maybe about 10, 15 miles away from you. Like, we're literally neighbors.
0: (laughs) And as we talked about leading up to this interview, you're actually moving closer to me, into the same school district, actually.
1: Yes, my husband and I recently bought a plot of land, and we are working through getting things submitted through the HOA in the city for us to start building in early 2024.
0: Fantastic. Well, good luck with that. Having gone through a substantial home remodel over the last couple of years, I will uh, wish you the very best of luck. And, and it's, it's nice, though, that you can build a home and not be living in the home while the construction is ongoing.
1: Absolutely. We're looking forward to just the process of going through the step by step, but it is challenging thinking, okay, are we ready to undertake this on top of everything else we have going on in our lives?
0: And I'm probably telling you something you already know, whatever timeline the builder gives you, double it and you're safe.
1: Absolutely. And you know what, you're looking at the builder, I'm actually going to build it myself. So I'm already giving myself like, okay, I know I can do it normally in nine months, but probably give myself about 18 months just to be safe.
0: Well, you're a brave soul, and I know the subcontractor market in this area well, and I wish you double good luck then (laughs) as you embark on that adventure.
1: Absolutely.
0: I had a friend of mine when I was going through my remodel (laughs) tell me that a marriage can withstand one affair, excuse me, two affairs or one remodel. And he said the affairs are more fun, so stay away from (laughs) remodeling.
1: I will have to say I have to attest to that because some of the flips we've done, they've been so frustrating that I'm like, I don't even want to talk to my husband because sometimes he helps out with some of the subcontractor work. And I'm like, I want to fire him at times, (laughs) but I still have to sleep with him and have him in the house with me. So. No good
0: there. Uh, I understand. I understand. Uh, we had some of those nights as well. When we went through our, our remodel, I was convinced there was going to be a divorce proceeding in there somewhere, but fortunately that was not part of the process.
1: There you, it built character. There you definitely, go.
0: Definitely, definitely. And speaking <laughs> of building character, Deb, one of the things I was fascinated by uh, when you and I met briefly preparing for this interview is your background and particularly your background in education, because you used to be a high school principal. Why don't you tell us, the friends and family, all about that?
1: Yes. So I have 16 years of education experience. Um, I literally went to college Tarleton State to be an educator. I ran track there and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go directly into education. I have coached high school volleyball, volleyball track, basketball. I even drove school buses. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, let's go into admin. And I have six years of administration in Plano ISD, which I loved, but it got to the point where it was time to try something different.
0: I can understand and respect that background for sure. You know, as you make that transition from education into the real estate sector, I understand that you've actually kept education as a fundamental part of what you're doing, even in the real estate environment
1: ideally when i think about myself i'm a lifelong learner and i want to if i learn new information or new knowledge i think it's imperative that we have to extend that and share that with other people around us so when i decided to walk away from education because i wanted more time to be with my family i wanted more financial freedom i decided to go into real estate investing i'm also a realtor so that i can get more access to deals a little bit quicker but I really, my passion is really into real estate investing. And so I jumped into real estate investing. Now my husband and I, we build houses, um, we flip homes, we do a lot more buy and hold. And so because I was able to be very successful in a very short period of time, I had a lot of people that would reach out to me that were saying like, Devla, can you show us how to do this? And so I would spend some time allowing them to pick my brain, but it got to the point like, oh my gosh, this is kind of like its own world of education, which I love empowering and helping other people. So that's what led me to create a full out course where we're able to help people learn how to house hack, wholesale, flip a house, or even do buy and hold through the birth strategy, which is very empowering because you get to show people their own superpower with real estate investing.
0: That's fantastic. It's one of those things, once a teacher, always a teacher, I suppose. And I think it's beautiful that you've brought that legacy along with you. And we're all about teaching and about mentorship and development here at Dadages. So big part of the family and welcome to the family in that regard. And it's, like I said, it's very inspiring to hear about you giving back in an educational manner. And one of the things I always say. In fact, it will be a dadage in an upcoming episode, spoiler alert. Uh, But one of the things that I say from time to time is that if you want to know something, go learn it. If you want to master something, go teach it. Because what I've found is that when you try to explain to someone else, particularly something that's complex and multifaceted, if you can truly explain it in the way that somebody else can understand it, That means you really know what you're talking about. And I think that you've, I imagine that you have probably found that along the way for yourself. Is that accurate?
1: Absolutely. I think I become more of an expert every day that I'm able to slow it down and make sure that the person next to me that may have no idea about real estate investing, that they really understand that concept. And it's really empowering to see so many of my mentees that have gone through the program and they're very successful now with having multiple rental properties and flipping several homes that now I can see them recharging themselves. And not only they're helping themselves, they're also helping people around them and their family.
0: That's fantastic. You know, I find even here in a podcast setting, the phenomenon that you were just talking about, that sometimes I know something deep inside my mind, but I haven't really brought it to the front of my mind to where I can understand it and comprehend it. Something will come out of my mouth and I'll say, wow, I didn't know I thought that, or I didn't know I knew that. And it's that process of communicating with others that I think helps bring this knowledge to the surface for all of us.
1: Absolutely. And it's really powerful. It's very powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. It's beautiful to see, like I said, how you've blended a past and a background and experience in an educational setting and carried that over into a real estate setting. And speaking of teaching now is your opportunity to teach all of us, the dadages, friends and family more about your business. This is the moment in entrepreneur's corner that we call the pitch. It's your chance to give a three to five minute summary of your business your comparative advantage, uh, your selling point, what is it that makes what you do special in a way that we can all understand it?
1: I think what I do is quite different than most realtors quite different than most coaches because I give a full service experience. So I'm out looking for someone that's brand new to real estate, maybe even a seasoned investor that's wanting to just scale their business or wanting to find new ways that they can grow their business to achieve that financial freedom, what what we're all after. And what I and my team have been able to come up with is that not only will we help you analyze the deal, we will also help you find the deal. And once you find the deal, we'll connect you with our lenders that have a specialized pricing and set up for all of my mentees. And then once we find the deal, we get you with the financing that can offer you 100% financing. We also give you the contractors. And then someone on my team will hold your hand through the entire process. While you're going through the rehabs, if we have to step in with the contractors, if you need selections on designs, what you should do, we're there holding your hand through the entire process. And then once the house is ready, my team is able to list the house for you and guide you through that entire process. And then you're able to make a profit And then at the end, we come back and reflect on what happened, what was good, what was ugly, and then come up with a true plan to really help achieve those dreams and those aspirations that you have with real estate investing.
0: Wow, that's a lot, and you did a great job of encapsulating a lot of information and a lot of very valuable services into a really good, concise message. And that, to me, tells me that you've really internalized the value proposition of what you have to offer the world and offer to your customers. And that's a really important step to succeeding in your business is being able to articulate your business and its advantages very clearly. And you can do that very well. Let me sort of reflect back to you a few of the distinguishing factors that I heard you say to make sure that I'm understanding them correctly. So one, I heard you talk about level of service, that you provide a higher level of service than many others in the market that may just be focused on a transactional relationship and making a quick buck, which is kind of a notorious aspect of the residential real estate world, right? Yes. And There's two, a ton of
1: gurus out there.
0: <laughs> absolutely. The One of the worst things to ever be in the <laughs> yes. world is a guru because it probably means you don't know a thing and you really just know how to promote yourself. And absolutely. that's not that valuable to your customers at the end of the day. The second thing I heard from you is that your offering is really comprehensive, that it's end to end from start to finish and provides the entire platform that someone may need. And I imagine that they can sort of pull from you where they need the most support in the areas that they might be weakest and then fill in the gaps themselves where they might already have knowledge or strength in certain areas. Am I right about that?
1: Absolutely.
0: That's that's great. And to provide something like that is... Again, a great model and it really creates a value proposition for your customers. So I think you're on the right track there in terms of how you've structured that. The third thing I heard from you is that you really provide a backstop. So, again, coming to those areas where someone may not have experience and obviously redeveloping a house, remodeling a house, flipping a house, all these things involve so many different pieces. It's not about being a jack of all trades. You've got to be an Ace of all trades. And if you're not an ace of all trades, when you go into this game, you're going to fail. But it sounds like where somebody may be a jack or maybe even a joker, you have the ace in the hole to provide them to fill in that gap as a backstop if they get stuck. Did I pick up on that right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Great. And I think, again, that's a a very, very well articulated uh, proposition. I think it's a very valuable proposition. The Next thing I heard from you, I guess, point number four of the fundamental points that I heard in your business description was that you are there to ride shotgun, as one might say, that you're side by side with someone as they're going through this complicated process, as I just described it, and that you're going to be there every step of the way. Did I hear that right as well?
1: Yes. Yes, indeed. We're right there with them throughout the process because it's an up and down roller coaster.
0: Yeah, yeah. Here in the Wild West of uh, the residential marketplace here in Texas, it's certainly uh, good to have someone along for the ride with a shotgun in hand. And then the the fifth piece that I heard, and this comes back to actually something that's fundamental about how I operate my business and and developing team members along the way, is it sounds like you give people an opportunity, again, if you have to step in and help them or supplement them in a certain area, they get to see how you do it and learn from how what your approach is in addressing whatever that specific element is so that maybe they're better prepared to deal with it next time. I call this the med school methodology of learning. See one, do one, teach one. Uh, yes. And that, again, that's how I operate my own business and how I develop talent internally within my company. But it sounds like you're doing the same thing to help people develop their talents externally.
1: Absolutely. Because I'll say one of the biggest things that I've learned is teaching people how to become their own boss, that Mm. true ownership. A lot of my mentees have W-2s or they work for someone. So they know like this is their particular role and they don't oversee anything else. But really giving them that onus of like, okay, you are the boss. You kind of kind of guide everyone through this process. That is a thing that I had time and time again. I have to empower them with that power. Hey, it starts with you and ends with you.
0: And I'm sure you run into people just as I do who have this fantasy that when you become your own boss, suddenly the world is your oyster and you're in charge of everything. (laughs) And I've had to explain to many entrepreneurs or people desiring to become an entrepreneur that becoming the boss just means that going from having one boss to the entire world being your boss and creating a new level of accountability that you've never experienced before in your career. Have you found the same thing in in your journey?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. You realize like being the boss is the person that's like gets the brunt of everything. They're the last to get paid. You're focusing on everyone and all these moving parts. Is everyone okay? You're more focused on making sure everyone is okay and doing what they need to do. And you less focus on yourself and what you need.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about this, I think, in a minute in one of the topics that you wanted to cover, but I'll I'll broach the subject now, which is that when I position myself and my role within my own organization, and again, this is something I advocate to a lot of entrepreneurs who are looking at fulfilling that CEO role, what is the job description of the CEO? My best answer to that is, it's your job to make everyone else in the organization productive at their jobs. And that's your sole reason for existing in your own company when you're the CEO. And so I try to, just as you described your business model being of service to your clients in building a corporate model, I try as the CEO to be of service to my team. And I think that that's a very important part of building a sustainable business.
1: That's powerful. I love that. I really love that. It makes me really think about my role, where I am and where I would like to go. So I love that.
0: Well, let's get to that then, because this is the, the your opportunity to sort of flip the script and to hit me with whatever questions you have that might help you along the way and help you along that journey that you're describing. I know that when we were preparing for this discussion, one of the things that you were really focused on, and I kept hearing this word from you, sustainability, creating a sustainable organization. I'm happy to answer any specific questions or areas that you'd like to talk about around that.
1: Yeah, I've, my biggest focus is I want to continue to help people and I want to be able to continue to help more people. But I think right now I'm really deep in the details of the day-to-day. And I know eventually for me to truly scale, one, to be that CEO, I need to make sure I have strong team members on the team that I value and they value themselves and understand that they're part of this ownership that what we're trying to create. So it's, When do you know you can take a step back and maybe it's more mental for me and truly give it to someone else and you just empowering them to continue to lead?
0: That's a very good question. And I like the way you framed it, taking a step back, because in my mind, it's never too early to take a step back. And I'm not saying take a step back from leadership. What I'm really focused on is take a step back from the day to day execution of the job, because as a leader, one of the key things about creating a sustainable organization is not just surrounding yourself with good people and bringing people into your organization and empowering them. And again, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But you said what you're trying to accomplish And that's really the key. That's where you got to take a step back is you have to be able to articulate in a very clear and concise way exactly what it is you're looking to accomplish. And it reminds me of very recent episode. In fact, it was the last interview I just conducted for Datages. Our guest was Meredith Elliott Powell. She is an expert in coaching and development of businesses Uh, as a coach and advisor and, and consultant. She really focuses on a value system around a corporate structure. And I think this is really important. And I wanna break down the three pieces as she broke it down, which is mission, vision, and values. Mission is what you hope to achieve. Vision is how you plan to achieve it. And values are really your guiding principles and the promise that you make to yourself and to your company as a whole in terms of how you're going to conduct yourself and how you're going to conduct your business. These topics are very heady and, and lofty and they may sound like big company things, things that only big companies need to worry about. But the reality is that every company needs to invest in these things. And that's why I said it's never too early to take that step back and to go through this kind of exercise And give it concerted time and thought and energy. And it's something you can do on your own. And then it's something you can repeat with the people who are closest around you. It sounds like your husband has a really key role, not only in your business, but in your family. And obviously, he knows you very well, and he knows your heart, and he knows your intention. He might be somebody that you can lean on in this exercise and collaborate through this process of developing statements regarding your mission, your vision, and your values for your organization. I really think that the key is, as I said, not every single organization needs to spend time thinking about these things. Some organizations, it's just simply not part of their culture. I could cite my father's organization as an example. I don't think they're, they are a mission-driven organization. They don't really focus on these kinds of thoughts. It's really just about being a process-driven organization, and there's only one person in that entire organization who makes every decision, and that's my father. No one else in the organization is empowered to make any decisions. So I think what helps you determine if your organization is appropriate for taking this step back that I'm talking about and appropriate for going through these exercises and that it's worth you investing the time, the effort, the energy, and the thought into these things is one, if you want to be mission driven and two, if you want to empower the development of leadership within your organization. And I think I've heard both of those things from you. And that's why I'm really highlighting this as something that I think is worthwhile and valuable for you and your business specifically.
1: It's so interesting that you mentioned that because I usually don't do this. Like I normally do have core values. We have a mission statement. We have, you know, we have all of that, but I really don't spend a lot of time sharing that with the team it's probably one of those that we talk about in january and then maybe in the middle of the year we'll bring it back up but this year i have been so intentional with spending time every week when we have a team meeting and at least giving it about three to five minutes where we just look at those core values look at our mission statement and really talk about that dialogue so it kind of becomes ingrained in how we do everything and there's moments when I'm talking to my team about something that we may be having conflict on how we view as a particular situation or transaction. And then I always bring it back and say, okay, well, what is our core values? Like, what is our mission? Because our focus is helping to educate more people and really grow the community with real estate investing. Are we doing that? or Are we really focusing on us making money? Because those things, when you're in those issues, that's what really holds in. What is our core values? How? What's our vision? What's our mission? And it's so interesting you mentioned that because that is something that has been more intentional with our team. And right now we're reading as a team extreme ownership because I think it's very imperative that. Yes, I see the vision, but y'all have to see the vision too. If one day Deva can step away to go out and get more leads and get more business for us, but she can't be in the weeds every day. So I need to make sure we're strong owners in every aspect of what we're doing.
0: Our friends, the Navy SEALs—they uh, have been a topic here on on Datages in the past, and in fact, I'm going to talk about that episode of Datages in, in just a minute. And it sounds like you're already at least three steps ahead of me. Kudos to you for for being on that page and for focusing on all of that. How would you articulate your mission and your vision? What are, what is the type of language that you use to to talk about those topics?
1: Yes. So our vision is to help educate and serve our community with all the real estate needs. thats buying, selling, and investing. And our vision is to be the most sought after real estate team in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, um, where we are knowledgeable, we're assertive, and we go the extra mile for our clients.
0: Fantastic. So you will deliver on this full suite of services that we've talked about before, and you're going to achieve that. By having the strongest possible team and the greatest skill set that you can offer, uh, so you can stand behind what it is that you're promising to deliver. Am I right? Yes. That's great. That's, that's a fantastic combination of mission and vision. You've put those two things together very effectively. And I think that that leads very nicely into another set of topics that I know you wanted to cover, which is sort of moving from a startup structure to more of an enterprise where you can really operate as a going concern and as an ongoing business. Let's talk about any questions or or thoughts that you have around that subject.
1: Yeah. So this is all new to me because you have to understand I'm coming straight from education and everything is already set up for you. So I think where I struggle is not knowing and I don't like to be in the place of ignorance. So I'm always reading books, going to conferences because I really want to learn what's that next step of enterprise. Is it creating a franchise? Is that just scaling the business more, growing my team. It's really, I'm not sure what those options are. So I don't know what's the next step. Ideally, how do you know you're ready to scale it to that level of, you know, expanding nationwide or expanding throughout the state of Texas?
0: So I think a few things that you really have to ask yourself to around those questions of, are we ready? One is why grow? And I know that's a really Odd question, but it's a pretty fundamental question. Why grow? Uh, not every business is destined to grow, and not every business should grow because there's something that my dad always refers to as big itis. There's a, a notion you must grow or die. In some businesses, that's true. In other businesses, it's completely false. You have to assess. Is there added value in growing my business, or is trying to grow the business a different business in and of itself? And does that compete with the focus on running my business? Because you may optimize your potential, you may optimize your impact, you may optimize your profit by just doing better and better and better at exactly the size you are with this comprehensive set of uh, objectives and comprehensive set of services that you're offering. Because your set of services is so complex. And I imagine if if you take a step back, you'll also find, and this is the other, kind of the second question I want you to ask yourself is, does my set of services and my experiences and my set of skills translate universally? Or is this set of skills I've developed particularly honed to my own backyard? And how local is my neighborhood? How do I define my neighborhood? And for you, I'm using neighborhood not just to mean where you live. I'm using neighborhood to mean your sphere of influence, your sphere of expertise. How far does your superpower reach before you're outside of your comfort zone? And maybe it's not a superpower somewhere else. So one as i said why grow period and make sure you can articulate to yourself very clear and decisive reasons for why you want to grow and two examine your business more carefully to determine that it's something that can replicate and can grow across a different geography set the third thing i would ask you to ask yourself within this big picture question of about growth is how important is it that what we're executing on as a company, this book of services that we're offering, this expertise that we have, how much of that is vested in me and in my inner circle, my core management team that I've built around me. And when you start talking about franchising, that's a scary term because franchising means that you're offering a framework. But the question is, is that framework something that a different team can execute on effectively or is the real secret sauce in what you do how well you Deba, have built a team of experts around you to provide these comprehensive services with a best of breed best in class team because i heard you clearly that's your vision that's your how is you've built this expert team around you that is the best at providing these services. How many of those expert teams are there out there in the world around us? There's a lot of mediocre talent out there. Do you really think that someone can take your playbook and apply it to a mediocre team and get excellent results?
1: You're good at this. You're really good at this. You know what? It's it's literally, as you were talking, I was in my mind, I think, The natural effect of someone building a business is for it to grow. But as I'm really thinking, does Deborah really want to grow to that level of, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking like another massive headache of trying to keep all these things together or is it better if I keep it small and we just really work on refining things to make it better and more efficient for everyone and we can still increase profits by and making it still tight and still giving our service that we need. And being that extra, yes, you want to come to us because we have all the knowledge. We have the best expertise around us. So maybe it's not growth. Maybe it's just getting better.
0: Absolutely. And, and I'm not telling you that's the answer. I'm simply telling you those are the questions I recommend you keep asking every day. And here's the exciting part. One is, there's two things I'm going to share. One is, it's not a black or white decision. You don't have to decide one or the other. You can find the right spot on the spectrum, on the dial for you and for your organization. You can grow as much as it's appropriate for you to grow, and you can find your comfort zone, your ceiling, where there isn't a reason to keep growing beyond that. The other thing, which is even cooler, is that, guess what? You get to wake up every single day and make this decision over again for yourself. You don't have to decide today what the answer is forever. You can reevaluate at any step along the way. And that right there is the magic and the blessing of being an entrepreneur is you are empowered to wake up every single day and you're the one who gets to make that decision
1: every day. That's a lot of power. I think I don't take a lot of time to reflect on what I've been able to accomplish and where I'm at. I'm just more going through working, 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 but you're right. And it's a powerful place to be because I remember being a, a principal and knowing like it doesn't end with me. If the parent doesn't like what I say, they're just gonna go up to another person and to another person until I have to go back and change that decision. And to be where I am now, to know that when we are ready to grow, when we are ready to make a shift, it really does, I can make that decision.
0: Yeah, and that's the trade-off for, you know, the paradox that I talked about before of when you're the boss, everyone is your boss. The benefit you get is that you get to make those choices every single day of your professional career, and so that's that's the balance of being the entrepreneur. And I embrace that. I love that. I'm willing to take on that personal accountability. You know, the extreme accountability, extreme ownership, like you talked about, with the Navy SEALs, and I w- I'm always willing to trade that for the independence of being able to make those decisions every day that we were talking about. And There's a I'm gonna another spoiler alert, there's another datage that I'm I'm going to devote an episode to in 2024, which is that it's great to have options. Having to make choices is a bitch. (laughs) 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 And so when you sit back and you look at these options of everything you can do in every direction you want to go with your business, that's the fun part. It's when you actually have to make the choice that things get hard. But I'll give you the secret. Within that, which is for me, and this isn't the answer for everybody, but for me, and I've said this before to the, the Dadage's friends and family, I actually don't believe heavily in my own ability to make decisions. What I do believe in is my ability to create processes. If you create a good process, the process will lead to the decision for you. And one of the things I say is most of my best decisions are the ones that make themselves. And so having a good fundamental process and practicing some of these things we've already talked about, sticking to your mission, sticking to your vision, uh, sticking to your values, communicating those to your team, infusing those into your team every day that you're working with them, it's going to help you to be poised to be able to make the decisions or to have the decisions make themselves when the time comes.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. I feel like you're like in my brain and like, you know, kind of where we are in our business right now, because we are spending a lot of time of dialing it back, really having cohesive SOPs in place, system and processes so that it doesn't matter who we put where they already have a detailed step by step. And if we, and then we come back as a team and discuss those, okay, we did create it, but now we put it into, to apply them and are they working? Are they not working? What are some things we need to change to make it better? And that's kind of where we are. So maybe focusing right now is really honing in and refining those processes and making sure that they are able to be scalable and we're able to do this over and over again. And then we know where we need to grow, if we should grow or not, or if we're still fine tuning some things.
0: Well, let's talk about that because we talked a bit ago about philosophical things. Let's now talk about, fundamental nuts and bolts process types of things. Because I know that one of the things you're really interested in is not only building an organization that is sustainable and strong, but also creating a bit more independence for you as the principal of the organization, as the founder of the organization and allowing you to progress in your own development. And that's a great objective and a great goal as well. Because if we're not growing as individuals, why are we spending all of this time in a professional setting? There's no point, right? So one of the things that I'll come back to that has been told to me in the past, and I really liked um, when I was given this advice because I was actually pre-med when I was in college and I was thinking about going on to be a doctor. I was going to go into orthopedics and sports medicine. At the time that I was weighing the decision, this wasn't the, the fundamental basis of the choice, but an aspect of it was understanding the business Aspects of the choice. And someone told me, well, Chad, when you're a doctor, all you can do is make money with your own two hands. You only can make as much, create as much value and make as much money for yourself as what you can do yourself. That dictates your capacity, your ceiling, your limit. As a business person, you can have thousands of hands out there doing work for you and creating value for you along the way. And so What I would say is, to turn that into a piece of advice for you, is as you're looking to, and let's not talk about growth, let's just talk about build the efficiency and the effectiveness of your organization. As you're looking to make your organization more effective, don't run your business like a medical practice. Don't make it so much about what you're doing with your two hands that you're not empowering all of those other hands around you to do what they can do. And so what I really wanna dial in on is how you focus on making others in your organization more productive. And we, this is the, uh, the series that I talked to you about where we talked about the Navy SEALs and, and extreme ownership. We did a four part series that started on August 16th. And this will be my homework assignment to you is to go listen to that series because it has a lot of specific information that I do think you'd benefit from right at the stage that you're at right now in your business. The topic of that was the responsible accountable mindset, as we called it. And the datage that goes along with that series of episodes is responsibility is a luxury. Accountability is the price we pay for it. And I think that you're trying to build an organization that adheres to many of the same principles that my organization does, which is about instilling that responsible accountable mindset into the people that are working around you to help build the resilience of the team and the independence of the members of the team. And so what I would provide you as some additional pieces of guidance would be delegate, delegate, delegate. You need to to look at where you can delegate most effectively. That doesn't mean delegate everything. That means delegate those pieces that free up your time the most, but The pieces that don't depend as much upon you and upon your decision making and your experience and your skills. The second thing I would say is hire more administrative resources. We tend to undervalue quote unquote unskilled labor, but unskilled labor brings some of the greatest skill sets to the table that you need in running a business. I actually, at this point in my life and in my career, I have four administrators. And each one of them covers something completely different for me. So I've segregated the administrative support components around me into different pieces and given each of those administrators a piece of the puzzle to handle for me where they can super specialize in what they're doing. Because one of the principles of my organization that I would advocate for you as well and the type of organization you're looking to build is you're better off having more people with each of them doing fewer things, then you are having fewer people and expecting each of them to do more things. Why? Two reasons. One is, if you have someone in your organization who's doing a lot of different things, they're probably not doing every one of them as well as they possibly could. We've spent time talking about the fallacy of multitasking. Multitasking is an illusion. It really distracts someone to where they're not being as effective at any of the things that they're doing. The second thing is, if you give someone too many different pieces of your organization, you've vested a lot into that one individual, and you're now dependent upon that person. Dependency upon one individual in any organization is never a good idea. The organization needs to be built with a system and a structure that creates independence for each of the components of the organization. Collaboration, yes. Cooperation, yes. Dependency, no. Those are, are very different concepts, but a lot of people get them mixed up.
1: You're so, I'm taking notes as you're speaking, because I'm like, this is hitting home all the way around. And it's interesting because I do have, I have three admin One person focuses on my rental properties and that's all they focus on. The other person works on the transactions and then the other person is doing our day-to-day within the team to make sure things are going the way they should go. So it's confirming to me that we're slowly on the right track, but there are a couple of things like the dependents. I feel like I have two or three people on my team that I am like solely dependent on because they do a lot and they're very well-skilled and they know how to do it. So, and it's hard for me to, it would be detrimental to be honest, if I had to replace them. And then I have a real estate investing coach that's always saying, you need to create a bench. You need to create a bench because just in case anything happens, because life is what it is, you can easily plug and play someone else just in things don't go the way you ideally would want.
0: For sure, it's a great ability. And I've built an organization that's completely plug and play. I can take any individual out of my organization and within 24 to 48 hours, I can replace that person with someone else who can do what they're doing, because I've created systems and processes that depend upon skilled, qualified resources, but there's nothing so intricate that it becomes ingrained in that one individual that that individual can't be taken out and the framework still works. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a very important part of building a resilient organization. And I'm gonna give you two more pieces of advice along these lines, and they're gonna sound really silly, but I'll. I'll explain them as I go along. And we'll stop right there for today, Datages, friends and family. I know it's a cliffhanger. Sorry about that. But please join us next time when we continue this interview with Deba Douglas as part of our Entrepreneur's Corner here at Datages. And if listening to this interview, you think to yourself, wow, I'd like to go on Datages and showcase my business or my nonprofit organization and get Chad's input regarding my company and its goals and objectives. Please, we invite you to do so. Just email me, chad at datages.com, and we may select your business to be featured here on Datages as part of our Entrepreneur's Corner. And to all of you that are part of the Datages friends and family, remember, until next time, dad may not always know what he's talking about, but he sure can sound like he does.